0: We would like to acknowledge and pay respect to the traditional custodians of the land on which you sit. stands the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation. As we share, explore, and celebrate Sydney through this podcast, we also pay respect and celebrate the knowledge embedded forever within the Aboriginal custodianship of the country. Sovereignty was never ceded; always was, always will be Aboriginal land.
1: Hello, and welcome to episode two of the Souls Footnotes Careers Podcast. I'm Nick Leavenworth.
0: And I'm Bellieu. Bellew.
1: And today is an extremely special episode because we are going hands-on. We're talking about clerkships and alternatives to them.
0: Yes, I'm really looking forward to today's episode. As someone who doesn't think they want to do a clerkship, I think this is going to be really helpful. Not only for first years like me, but also for second years, third years, fourth years, who are sort of not knowing where to go when they don't wanna do the clerkship as the obvious option, I think it's gonna be really great.
1: I think it's gonna be great too. And that's as someone on the other side of the coin who <laughs> is going into the clerkship process. And a great thing about that is we will keep this relatively short because we do have a lot of lot of interview coming to you soon, but I think what's great about this is hear from Vivian, Vivian Davies, that's who I'm mm. gonna be interviewing with. She's a JD3 and she is someone who thought she wasn't gonna do the clerkship process. In her early years and eventually it's just something that she kind of got attracted to and she did and it worked out for her so i'm going to be talking with her first about what she did to succeed what she focused on what she strayed from what she thought about her applications and what you can do to stand out on yours and what are you going to be looking at tamzin
0: literally the direct opposite i'm going to be <laughs> interviewing the incredible bridget dawson who thought she was going to do a clerkship and then We would, well, I won't spoil it for you guys, but she figured out she didn't want to, and then sort of ended up becoming a paralegal for the Crown Solicitor's Office. So I'm going to be talking to her about how she managed that with her study, what was the application process like, how she found it in comparison to her friends who did the clerkship process.
1: Yeah, it's going to be a great episode, and like always, if you haven't listened to the first episode, I recommend going back and doing that, where I talked with Trishonk, and me and Tamsin talked about our paths in law. And then, of course, this is the second of three episodes, so the next one is going to be special because I'll be talking to Simon Bronnett about his career in academia and what you should be focusing on and what you can be focusing on as a University of Sydney law student. So with that being said, let's get to my interview with Vivian Davies. Now I'd like to welcome on a very special guest. She's the sole social chair, a past facilitator, my past facilitator actually, in my first year. She also came out the clerkship process, clean on the other side. It's Vivian Davies. Vivian, thank you so much for being here.
2: Thank you for having me.
1: Of course. Good to be here. So let's start with the most contentious question on the list. It's your favorite place on campus to get coffee.
2: Ooh. Um, being an art student in my undergrad, I have to say at courtyard. I'm not a coffee snob, so I can't actually tell many different types of coffee apart, but just the courtyard vibes are immaculate and it's always just really chill. I can get study done and kind of like soak in the university vibes. So mm-hmm. definitely there.
1: Uh, so this is the clerkship process or the clerkship episode where we'll be breaking down the applications from the beginning to the end and this is obviously relevant for students like me in their penultimate years, but why is this important to know for the younger students, the LLB ones, the JD ones who think, I, this is not something I have to worry about right now?
2: Yeah, um, so just as a precursor, before I launch into the question, I just wanna say that as a first year, definitely enjoy yourself and explore your interests. Do not start after this episode, um, tailoring your entire life and experiences and interests just to get a clerkship. That's mm-hmm. Not what I want you to do, but um, in saying that, I think it's just important to think about because ultimately the purpose of uni, amongst many other things, is to land a job. Like obviously it helps with critical thinking, learning in itself is just a joy, but clerkship is a road to a grad role and the start of your career. And I think it's just good to start thinking about it early so that in your penultimate year, when you're applying for the process, you kind of already have an idea of what you want and it's not just something really overwhelming for you to cram. Um, And I think, you know, in your first year, you have so much time and the luxury of time is something that decreases as you go throughout your university degree. Um, And so really just like explore what you want out of university and out of a career. And I think it takes time throughout your uni degree, like with the process of like internal examination, like what do you want in a career? And like, if you really like commercial law, like contracts in your first year, even torts in your first year, then maybe a clerkship is for you. And um, just thinking about like what type of law you like is something that, yeah, it takes a lot of time. And so I think, in your first year just start thinking about your options um it's always you know like never too early to start thinking about it um but in saying that like do not stress too much about the clerkship process there's so many other avenues out there
1: yeah and i think there is definitely when i was in my first year there is is this daunting idea overhead of the clerkship process it's there and you can feel at times that you're behind in the process i felt certainly like everyone else had everything figured out already and then I think slowly as you go through the process you realize everyone's kind of in the same boat everyone's still learning just as much as you are so don't get stressed if you're feeling like you're overwhelmed with everything everyone is a little bit that's kind of the joy of the process you have to find fun in that and we talked a little bit off air so you you weren't day one I'm gonna be a Clark I'm gonna do everything I can this was sort of a, a later revelation for you.
2: Yeah, definitely. Um so just as background, I did arts in my undergrad and when I went into law, I wasn't even sure I wanted to really go into law. It was just like a postgrad option. I've been kind of interested in the law as a way to open up career options, but then in my semester 1, I realized I actually loved learning about the law and so that's why I was like, okay, I want to be a lawyer um but even in saying that i wanted to more go down the humanitarian side of law work for a community legal center or you know, like human rights law or whatever um and then it was only in my second year when the clerkship presentation started happening um through souls and i just tuned in because it was locked down it was over zoom so it was very easily accessible mm-hmm. i started listening and hearing about the types of matters that people do in their practice teams and also the types of people that worked at law firms, I realized that they're actually just people and they were great to chat to. They were so friendly, very grounded and down to earth. And so I started seeing myself as someone who can potentially work there. And I think that was the thing that made me want to apply and give it a go. And the more I researched into it, the more I found, because I think I started it kind of cynically just because it was locked down. I was like, yeah, I may as well give it a go. I don't really know. But when I started applying, I actually realized, yeah, maybe this is something that I can do as a career and it isn't, you know, something that is utterly boring.
1: Yeah. And so when you did make the decision to do the clerkship process, what did the research look like? What was your database? I know people have done Excel spreadsheets. I've heard of people having just dozens of Google Docs and a Google Drive with everything. What did yours look like?
2: Definitely not Excel because I don't know how to use that software. But OneNote is like my holy grail for everything that I do in life. And so I made a tab for every single law firm that sparked my interest. And the starting point was the Souls presentation. And I think through the presentation, you can get a sense of the vibe of the firm the culture and what they pride themselves on like there are certain things that every single firm will highlight for example their international presence Mm -hmm. particular practice teams um particular awards um even like dni so diversity and inclusion and that was a springboard um and if there was anything that sparked my interest in presentation then i would go into it so i think being selective about which types of firms i wanted to work for was um, a really great way to discern between the firms and there were definitely presentations i sat through where it just did not spark my interest and so i was just like i'm just going to put that aside because i think it feels very overwhelming to hear all of these law firm names that mean nothing to you. And they're like, you know, we're a corporate law firm. We do litigious work and transactional work and M&A. And these are all just like buzzwords to me at yeah. the start of the day. And I think if it doesn't spark your interest, then maybe it's not for you.
1: Yeah. yeah. And you talked about those sales presentations. Um, I know I've, I've done a dozen of them in the last couple of weeks. When you were looking up these firms and you talked about how getting comfortable with their areas of practice and what they do and what stands out. Apart from these presentations, what did you use to research kind of what makes the firms different? How did you find their areas of expertise? How did you find the deals their partners have made? How have you find where they're trying to grow outside of, like you said, the glamorized version of their website or the presentation that they give you at souls.
2: I think two resources really helps me. The first one I stumbled across on LinkedIn and it's called Clarkship Ready which is a blog that a lawyer started to help people with the clerkship process. And the guy published an Excel spreadsheet with all of the firms that have clerkships, their application questions, the deadlines and what type of firm it was. And so I used that as like my master doc. And um, from then on, I looked at what type of application I want to submit. So like, there are some firms that ask you 10 questions that are very tailored and they don't ask for a resume. And that's obviously gonna take way more time than a firm that just asks, just asks for a cover letter and a CV and an academic transcript. Um, so from then, like you look at whether you can, what type of application you can balance with whatever else is going on in your life um, and then work from there. And then another valuable resource I found was this website called Legal 500. Mm-hmm. So they have a list of all of the firm profiles and what types of practice areas these firms do, um, including the standout lawyers in their firm. Um, so like what their lawyers are known for, what their reputation is. And I think that was a good way to kind of discern between the different types of firms. and. I would use that as a springboard. So for example, if they say Nick Levensworth is well known in his area for construction disputes and getting things done in an efficient manner, whatever, then I would probably stalk the person on LinkedIn, look at their profile, and then they also have a profile on the law firm website as well. And so you start to go down these rabbit holes Mm -hmm. with research and... I think be conscious of what types of rabbit holes you go down, because that also kind of shows that you're interested in that Mm -hmm. rabbit hole. And maybe that's, you know, an area that you want to work in. So um, obviously like, yeah, when you go down rabbit holes, I feel like it's a subconscious process, but be conscious of that because that probably shows you're interested in that area. So Legal 500 is a great resource for that. Um, Also looking at the different types of awards that firms win. That's something that they would obviously pride themselves on, and if you're interested in that, then maybe you should go for that firm. Um, But also outside of that, like their commitment to pro bono, sustainability, indigenous affairs, all of that stuff, I think shows how committed a firm is to all of these extra things that aren't purely legal. And you know, if you want to work for a firm that's socially conscious, then maybe you should go for one that has a pro bono project during the clerkship. Or if you're interested in international travel, then go for a firm that has that international element, Look at whether they have secondments, um, not in the clerkship process because they are only eight weeks, but Mm -hmm. a lot of firms have secondments in um, their grad program. In the second year, they'll send you over to London, for example, or Singapore or whatever. And if that's an option that you're interested in, then definitely look into that firm. And then also on top of that, start going down LinkedIn rabbit holes and reach out to people who've clerked there before yeah um or are a grad there i find people who've gone through this process which is typically quite like all-consuming are happy to help out Mm. um there's so many things that i wish i knew when i was going through the process and i feel like if you reach out they'll be more than happy to like have a chat a coffee yeah like a call quickly and i just find like people to people connections the most efficient way of knowing what type Definitely. of do you want
1: to work for. Definitely. And the more I go through this process, the more I realize that every lawyer I reach out to on LinkedIn, maybe not every lawyer, but most lawyers, an overwhelming amount, I reach out to them and they're so happy to help. I've yet to meet anyone who's been outright unhelpful. Everyone's, if even if they're too busy, they'll tell me, maybe talk to this guy, maybe talk to this girl, maybe talk to this person because... They, it's, I feel like lawyers get a bad rap. They've, they've all yeah, been very, very helpful in my experience. And I think.
2: they're all really grounded. It's so easy to be intimidated by them yeah. and the presence of like, oh, an international commercial law firm. But they've all gone through the process before exactly. they were a student before. And they're all just people at the end of the day.
1: Yeah. And so when it comes to areas of practice, the more I speak to my classmates, the more I think, man, everyone's got their, their areas picked out. They know what kind of law they want to get into. They know what they want to do with it. But then the more I talk to lawyers, clerks, graduates, the more they say, eh, you don't really need to know. Part of the process is figuring out your area of practice that you want to do and finding out where you want to settle. How much did you know going in about the areas of practice you wanted to work in?
2: Absolutely nothing. <laughs> and so I think that's why when I was picking practice areas, I wanted to go into a litigious practice area and a transactional practice area. So what i mean by that because i had no idea what
1: those two words meant yeah break it Um, down for us
2: yeah litigious um refers to litigation so Mm -hmm. it's disputes and so there's a lot more legal submissions court hearings that you have to do um and usually it works to a shorter timeline or actually well the time time frame depends on the matter itself actually but um for example if you've done mooting at uni it's more to do with like that side of things like writing legal submissions, Mm -hmm. um, legal research, et cetera. Um, And then transactional is more putting together deals. So for example, I rotated in real estate during my transactional practice, which means I was doing leases on George Street for like big companies. And so it's looking at reviewing contracts and summarizing them looking at potential legal issues there's a lot of client meetings to make sure that the deal you're putting together is something that both parties want you know it's missing that litigious like that dispute element that you get in litigious so try the two different practice areas Mm -hmm. there's also advisory which is something completely different um also i wanted to do ip because I had been interested in like creative stuff before and so IP made sense to me and so I really wanted to you know work um, and rotate in IP and then I realised that IP is actually full of pharmaceutical companies and has nothing to do with really like creative artists or whatever that's different and i don't think many commercial law firms represent artists at least
1: not like the big ones i know when Um, i think of ip i think of marvel movies so yeah yeah. i
2: know (laughs) much cooler in my opinion than pharmaceutical companies but science students would probably beg to differ Mm. also when you do get your clerkship a lot of firms will give you a presentation where Mm -hmm. they'll get a lawyer either a partner or a grad to speak about their experience in the practice area and just hearing like their experiences helped me decide as well like for example in the construction practice area I remember this partner speaking and he was like you know if you like to swear if you like to go on site because we work with a lot of tradies like it's a super chill environment then like this is the place for you and I think same with like ENP, so like environment and planning, you mm-hmm. get a lot more site visits than an MA deal, like mergers and acquisitions. Um, also, just like whoever you vibe with, like in the interview process, if you really loved your interviewers, just go with them. Mm-hmm. Whatever area they work for, just go and give it a go. Um, it's very much like, I feel like, and maybe this is a bit presumptuous because I am not a grad yet, but I feel like grads, whichever team they settled in, it's as much chance as it is a conscious decision just based on like whichever random interviewer you get, whichever person you vibed with. So yeah, that's how I went about picking the practice
1: areas. Um, Definitely
2: don't stress too much about it.
1: I agree with that. that's kind of the thread I've learned. Everyone's sort of got a different way of how they land in their area of practice. So,
2: and then sorry, just like one more thing as well. I remember (laughs) during my clerkship process every single Friday, Um, we had a debrief with HR in, in giant clerkship cohort. So every, and like, that's just what my firm did. Every firm would be different, but it was really interesting. We went around in a circle and everyone just speak about what they did over that week. And you get an insight into what it's like to work for the different practice areas, which is really cool.
1: So let's get into the actual application process itself, the nitty gritty. Mm -hmm. So you applied for nine firms. Did you think that was a good number? Yes. How did you land on that number? Why was nine the the magic one?
2: Nine is a nice number. But also, (laughs) I think it wasn't too overwhelming. I didn't have a set goal when I started, I don't think. I just had a few firms that I really wanted to work for. And then everything else was like whatever I had time for. Um, But also, I looked at like three things. So the firm I actually want, which is something I mentioned before. And you kind of figure that out just through presentations people you chat to what you want etc and then the actual application process which is the second thing i looked at so how detailed it needs to be because some are way more onerous than others and firms with just a cover letter they're obviously so much easier to apply for Mm -hmm. and so i left those till last um, just because it's it'd be like pretty quick to apply rather than having to tailor your entire application based on these like five niche questions. Yeah. Um, and you also just get into a rhythm. So like I always find the first, very first firm you apply for with just a cover letter, it probably, the quality of your application probably would not be as good as like the third or fourth firm that you apply for just because you learn to talk about yourself better over time. So in saying that, maybe like, don't submit your applications as soon as you finish them. Like finish a few applications and then maybe on the third one you realize, oh, you could have phrased this sentence better in your first application. So you go back and then like, that's why I, on the last day of submissions, I think I submitted like five or six just because I was like, these are all ready to go. And I've it. like every single word is how I want it to be.
1: And I I can speak to the first one always being maybe the the rustiest. I know you didn't get to do the cocktail evenings or career fairs in person, but first, first firm I talked to, I was like, oh, I'll shake off the shake off the dust. That wasn't yeah. my that wasn't my best conversation I've ever had. So it definitely takes some time getting into the flow of things. So that, that rhythm is definitely important, not just in the applications, but in all areas of getting to know the firms, talking to people. So I think that's definitely great advice. Yeah. Um,
2: and I think um, in terms of knowing how to talk about yourself, it's very inorganic to talk, talk about yourself in such a pretentious way like you know my communication skills or tea yeah. work skills or whatever but it's something you learn over time and i think even though it seems really inorganic like there are ways to make it authentic and that's just the rhythm you have to find yourself over time but yeah you get into the swing of things and then also just like reading other people's cover letters like if you have a mentor reach out to them and ask them for a cover letter that they've written before because I think one of the biggest things I struggled with was I don't know how to write a cover letter or a resume or like it's something that was very private to me Mm -hmm. and once I started reading other people's cover letters I was like wow they're vastly different to mine and obviously there's no right way to do it but I think getting exposure to other types of ways of talking about things also helped me realise what my style
1: is. Yeah, and getting past that first stage can be very difficult because even if you're you have a great personality, you have so much to offer, it can be hard to let that shine just through five questions or just through a cover letter and a resume. It can be tough to let them know who you are. Mm-hmm. What did you focus on in your cover letters? What, what were some specifics to kind of create your personal narrative? How did you let yourself shine?
2: When you're applying for a clerkship, you've probably accumulated a bunch of experiences from professional ones to just you know traveling Mm -hmm. to being able to narrow down on the specific experiences that make you you which is the most like um cliche thing to say but is so true and just focusing on them um and so like for me for example to make it more personal i knew traveling exchange was something that i was really passionate about and then also my creative interests um so like i draw and i write a lot outside of uni and i think that was something that was different Mm -hmm. and i also do karate outside of uni so just picking out those things and then not being afraid to delve into them more is something that sets you apart you actually get to know yourself a lot more you know how to talk about your experiences a lot more so just focusing on that and i think in your cover letter like less is more instead of dumping all of your experiences and You know thinking that it'll impress someone it's much better to go in depth into a few interesting ones dig into them and yeah curate it so that someone gets a sense of your personality and what makes you tick less is more dumping your experiences is not good and you can yarn about that in the interview when Mm -hmm. they see you holistically but because you're just on paper you only have words to work with so make sure those words are interesting and stand out to people
1: yeah when you're in the process you talked about collaborating, looking at other people's covered letters to kind of whittle down your own and refine it. Uh, what about kind of in the interview process, the rest of the clerkship applications? I know everyone's kind of going through the struggle together. So how much did you work with others to prepare for interviews, to prepare for the cocktail evenings, to stay on top of each other with deadlines? How much of it was collaborative?
2: I think it's different for everyone. Mm-hmm. and I personally just had this one friend to keep me very accountable because she was going through the same struggle. And so we would call pretty much every single day because it was locked down as well and also my foot was broken so i didn't really have much to do <laughs> so we just call every single day and um there, there were times we just worked silently in court and just having her presence there helps me stay motivated yeah. and on track but other times we would be like okay let's just set aside half an hour and we're just gonna spit ball questions at each other and pretend like it's an interview and then give each other feedback on our answers it was very odd to talk to my friend as if she was an interviewer and I feel like sometimes people like it's a kind of like a vulnerable side of you to talk about like your professional experiences and yourself in that way when it's like a friend context like it's not you know something that i talk to my friend about but what like i felt really comfortable in her presence and i felt like i wasn't being judged and we genuinely wanted the best for each other so i think that really helps like hearing her feedback like for example she was like you rambled way too much about this or like you know explain what you meant by this sentence more like Getting that critical feedback was really helpful to that. During the interview process, I wasn't rusty in talking about my experiences. I think um, it's very easy to fall into the trap of just being like, oh, I'll be fine in my interview. I know how to talk about this. And then during the process, realize you're like rambling. Also, just having like, for every single experience, like a two sentence summary of what you did. And that can actually be quite difficult because, I don't know, some jobs are just really weird. and require a lot of context. And so just knowing how to express that would just be helpful in getting to the point.
1: Yeah. The interview process, it changes from firm to firm. Some people do, you know, one partner. Some will do two lawyers and an HR rep. Did you know kind of what you were going to get yourself into going into these interviews with the firms? Did you practice for different kinds of interviews? Did you practice for, I've heard some are more personable and some are more work-related, some are more kind of psychological. Um, How did you prepare for all these different scenarios?
2: I think... Most firms send you a buddy, and what I mean by that is they'll email you someone to get into contact with who was a grad at the firm, and they are just a friendly face that you can ask all questions to, like you reach out to them, have a video call with them, or get around a coffee and pick their brains on their interview process, and that will give you a great insight into what your interview is going to be like. Also, typically, firms have at least two interviews first one generally with HR sometimes with HR and a partner or HR with an essay and um, the first one I think is more rigid what I mean by that is they'll ask you more about your cover letter your application your resume and expect you to talk about your experiences and your skill sets more so I prepared accordingly I had this like master doc of questions um, that they could have asked me and they're all like behavioral. Like for example, teamwork, problem solving skills, conflict resolution skills, um, resilience. I remember this one interview question I got asked, which was like, what do you do when everything falls apart? So preparing a list of behavioral questions and just knowing your resume and your experiences inside out. And then the second interview that you get with a firm typically is just a yarn. I wanna say typically because I, you know, didn't interview at every single firm. Yeah. Um, but generally that's just a way to make sure that you know how to hold a conversation mm-hmm. with partners because um, generally it is with more senior people and yeah, and just getting a sense of your personality. So for the second round, it's a bit more difficult to prepare for, but in saying that, like as long as you have an interesting personality, you're not afraid to like speak during the interview, you'll be fine. Also in some firms, they'll send you get a bio of all the possible interviewers so generally you don't know who your interviewers are some firms tell you which is great and then you would have to research them um but some firms don't they just give you you know a master list and just read through everybody you don't have to memorize their entire bio like it's it's a bit unreasonable to do that but um just get a sense of the different types of lawyers that can potentially interview you if they tell you who your interviewers are then i think it warrants you digging into their specialty
1: yeah
2: and who they are so that you're mentally prepared and also at the end of every single interview they'll ask do you have any questions for us and be prepared with like interesting questions is also a way to set yourself apart because it shows a genuine interest so like for example if your lawyer was um, an ip tech lawyer and she's written stuff on whether there's going to be a tort for privacy developed in Australia, like ask her more into that. And that shows that you've done research. Um, and also you're just like interesting to hear that perspective.
1: Yeah. And so this is obviously it's a lot of work, the clerkship process, yes, you know, there's a lot is. of research, there's a lot of stuff you have to do. And that is on top of the regular grind of uni, the regular grind of work. How do you balance all of that? Was there a learning curve? Was there something at the beginning that you didn't realize that you maybe got better at as you went on? What is something people should know about, juggling all these things at once.
2: Mm, um I was told before the process that the clerkship is literally like an extra unit that mm-hmm. like you're staying at uni. So um you can do two options to kind of help yourself during the process. The first is to do winter or summer school like preemptively so that you're underloading in that semester of clerkships, which really helps. I didn't do that. Instead, I swapped out a core unit for an elective, which is typically more chill because the semester that you're doing the clerkship is also infamous for being like such a dense for core units. And um, I swapped out corpse law for media law, which was really interesting. And I think that helped me in terms of workload because yeah, it's just really dense. And like, there's no reason why you need to yourself so much under the pump if you can just ease it off a little bit also i mean like even thinking about this stuff as early as possible so that you have a sense of what type of firm you want to work for then it doesn't become as overwhelming in the actual application process because it's it's not like yeah you can kind of learn it but also there's a process of reflection that needs to go on which is ongoing and it's ideal if it like If you take time
1: yeah so you're a success story you went through the clerkship process and you came out the other side with i think i've landed a grad role yes awesome so the unfortunate truth is a lot of people don't do that a lot of people unfortunately are are sad at the end of it um how have you seen some of your colleagues bounce back what have you seen people do in response to that because it's obviously not the end-all be-all sometimes it, it may seem like that but it's not
2: i think the first thing to say is that even though you put in enormous amount of time and effort into it and you didn't get a clerkship like that's not wasted time and resource you know you've obviously tailored your resume way more you've thought more about what you want um out of a career you've known like you've kind of figured out more about yourself and that's not wasted effort like you can use that for your next application and yeah just staying optimistic i think is like the biggest thing and also the second thing to say is that a lot of people say it's easier to get a grad job than a clerkship and that's because the clerkship process is so competitive and the people who are really great who've gone clerkships they don't they're not competing for a grad job anymore they're going to get grad offers so when a firm looks for like is doing a call out for graduate programs then you're looking at a separate pool of people mm-hmm. and You know, so many people go into clerkships and then just leave and don't go through a grad program. So, yeah, there's like a lot more opportunities for grad roles. I've heard of so many people not getting a clerkship and then landing grad roles. So, you know, that option is always there. And then also just like if you weren't successful, maybe think about like why and maybe you just weren't that interested in commercial law firms in the first place Mm -hmm. there's so many different options outside of this commercial law path um so yeah don't be discouraged look for other opportunities talk to people yeah it's like not wasted time for sure
1: yeah definitely and you know this is the clerkship episode but this is the careers podcast so we will be talking more about the alternative pathways especially next episode with dean simon bronnett For Vivian, we only got one more question for you and it's a big one. What was your favorite elective you took here at Sydney Law School or what's the one you're most looking forward to?
2: So I've only taken four electives. So far, I'm in the process of doing them. the favorite elective, I would say, is this interdisciplinary unit called Service Learning in Indigenous Communities. Um, So it's like a unit that you do with people from other disciplines. Like there's people in pharmacy, business, urban planning a bunch of stuff and we went to the torres strait um, to kind of like interview community members and that that was just like because it was so practical and non-academic in some ways that was like a really great refresher to the typical unit grind where you're just trying to bash out assessments all the time and it's like very rigorous learning and the one i'm looking forward to the most um i'm doing ip copyright and design next semester which should be really interesting so
1: learn a lot about the pharmacies in that one
2: yeah maybe <laughs> and hopefully some other things as well. yeah
1: hopefully yeah all right well that's all the time that we have today thank you so much for coming in i had a blast and for those who would like more help on the clerkship process feel free to reach out to me feel free to reach out to vivian feel free to reach out to any of your classmates because we're all happy to help thanks vivian
2: thank you for having me it was a pleasure to be on this podcast
0: I'm here with the incredible Bridget Dawson, and she is going to be taking us through some alternatives to the clerkship process, specifically becoming a paralegal and what that involves and the benefits of it. So Bridget, do you want to tell us what area of law do you work in?
3: Yes, I currently work as a solicitor in criminal law. um, And I think I've been a lawyer now for about seven months.
0: Oh, that's so exciting.
3: Yeah, it is exciting. It comes up quickly.
0: <laughs> what year did you graduate?
3: I graduated mid-2020 and I got admitted about a year ago and then started practicing towards the end of last year.
0: I love it. And so this is a just a fun question that we're asking everyone, you know, lawyer's coffee. What is your coffee order?
3: I'm an almond milk cappuccino. I drink a lot of coffee.
0: Yeah, yeah, I'm starting to get into that. Trend now that I'm in law school. Yeah. Um, so, Bridget, you didn't uh, go down the clerkship route. Did you ever consider it? I definitely considered it.
3: Um, and I definitely tried to put in some applications, but I kind of got stuck on all of the questions. I remember one of them being like, why are you interested in commercial law? And I just was <laughs> just like, I'm not. Um, to put simply, and I'm, I'm a terrible liar as well. So, I didn't really know what to write. Um, So I definitely did think, and there's a lot of, I suppose, not peer pressure, but it seems to be what everyone goes down, but it didn't really feel natural for me. Um, But I was definitely keen to get experience in law and figure out what area I was interested in.
0: So, yeah. Yeah. So like you said before, like it's not necessarily peer pressure, but there's an element of it's what everyone's doing. Did you feel like going into the sort of... um, process of working through applications and stuff did you feel like there was an expectation of you know well you're in law school now you should do a clerkship did you ever feel like that was sort of lingering in the background that expectation
3: yeah definitely I think um everyone says that being even being a lawyer is not the be all and end all in terms of doing a law degree but it's definitely everything's definitely geared towards that towards that route um and if everyone in your cohort is doing it, why shouldn't you be doing it? And you always have to justify why you're not doing it. Yeah. Um, but there are definitely other more flexible ways of getting practical experience, I think, particularly if you've got other, other commitments in your life. Like I'm sure that not everyone has the means to do a clerkship mm-hmm. um, in terms of time or like financially as well. So there's definitely a number of different ways to go about it, I think.
0: Um, yeah yeah um and so when you were sort of doing the um going through like the application process and realizing I actually don't want to work in commercial law had you heard of the paralegal process or the paralegal um position at the crown, Sol- crown solicitor's office at that time or was that something you came across later
3: it was actually I I remember I applied quite I worked so I worked as a paralegal in a boutique law firm for a few years Mm -hmm. um I went overseas I did an exchange in Wales and then I had come back to the same job and I just wasn't it was very commercial based job and I just wasn't interested in it um Mm -hmm. I didn't know necessarily about the really interesting work that the CSO did Mm -hmm. um but I saw the advert and it just drew interest in terms of a mix of criminal law, a mix of other areas, and very public interest base. And the recruitment process was a while. So I think that time of, um, from memory, the time of the recruitment process in terms of doing the interview and waiting to hear back kind of came at the same time as the whole clerkship process. And luckily, I got um, an offer for that job just in time. Um, So I didn't have to continue to, like, continue that thought process of whether or not to do it. Um, So yeah,
0: I was very happy with it. Did you find the application process to be competitive at all? I think,
3: I remember also my first like legal practical experience was doing an unpaid internship. Hmm. Um, And I it always, because it always seemed like when you're applying for any jobs you had to already have experience. Um, So it was probably competitive in that regard. Um, So it always felt competitive because, you know, especially because a lot of your friends are naturally probably law students as well, because that's how you meet friends at uni. So everyone's kind of in the same boat, so everyone's thinking and wanting the same things. Um, But I think it's always important to just stay in your lane and really think about what you're interested in and try and as much as possible, even if it's impossible. um, Try not to think of how other people are doing because at the end of the day, look, there are, it's always going to be competitive, but the right people get the right jobs and you're not you're not going to get every job and that's okay because it'll sort itself out and you'll get the job that you're interested in or maybe you'll get a crap job that you hate and people aren't nice, but then you'll learn from that. <laughs> so, and hopefully then find the right job. So it'll all work out in the end, I think,
0: um, for everyone. And when you sort of, when you first came into um law school did you always know you wanted to go down the sort of criminal law public interest route or were you just sort of figuring out as figuring it out as you went along
3: I think it was definitely figuring it out as I went along Mm. um yeah I don't really know when i always i always knew in the back of my mind that i wanted to do work that wasn't necessarily like motivated based off money that kind of stuff mm. um but i don't i didn't really settle on what I, and i think that's imp- also kind of important because or at least for me because you kind of I'm very stubborn so if i want to achieve a goal if i want to achieve a goal, i'll, I'll try my best to achieve it and if that goal if you go through uni or go through work experience like if you're doing a clerkship and you do the different areas practice areas and you tell yourself i'm going to be in the litigation team and you go through say for example like a property team and you just uh, in the back of your mind you're like i can't be interested in property um i want to be in litigation but then you kind of miss the opportunity of figuring out that you are interested in property um, mm. or something like that. So it's it's kind of good to, well, for me, it's good to be open-minded um, yeah. because certain areas of law can, or even not law, can surprise you and interest you um, and be the right thing for you.
0: Yeah. Yeah, because I find that, um, like, from the perspective of a first year, um, everyone is sort of starting to develop that tunnel vision where they're either deciding usually like commercial or criminal law that they want to go into and choosing clerkships off of that but I like how you sort of didn't hold yourself to one area yeah you just sort of went with what felt natural (laughs) pardon sorry still not (laughs) (laughs) and and You worked, um, like you said, you had that position at the Crown Solicitor's Office. Did you do that alongside your study or was it during the uni break?
3: Yeah, no, I, so I did it. I think I was working four days a week across five days with uni. Um, uh, Yeah, and no, I don't think I ever went full
0: time. Um,
3: But I do know that there are people that would work
0: less as well. And what year of uni were you in when you worked for them good question um i i
3: I worked for them probably it kind of got mashed up towards the end whether or not what year i was in because i kind of did i think i was doing three subjects so it was probably mostly fourth to fifth year um yeah and then i worked there as i finished as well
0: yeah and you were doing three subjects instead of four did you find that made it easier to balance uni and your position
3: I think practically it was just because in terms of attending class and figuring out what classes could fit your schedule um but I don't know if you would agree that you know if you're doing three units you may as well do four or it ends up being just as busy I think yeah but um logistically it works out better in terms of physically getting to class and that kind of stuff.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, And so how long were you a paralegal? How long did that position last for? Um, So
3: I worked as a paralegal my first job uh, for about maybe 18 to almost two years, 18 months to two years, and then the same at the Crown Solicitor's Office as well.
0: Um, Yeah. And, like, sort of if you wouldn't mind, please take me through what being a paralegal was like what did your job involve and just how did you find the overall experience
3: yeah so the job at the crown was I think it, it it's really good because it varies depending on your experience and your interest because mm-hmm. um it was a really great place to work because if you showed an interest in something you'd get given more um interesting work or more complex work depending on the time it was definitely um there was legal research was a big part of it. It was also high volume work, so it was you know the usual doc reviews. Um, can't get, can't escape them. Um, a lot of correspondence drafting. Um, trying to remember back now. Yeah, drafting court documents um, like affidavits and subpoenas and that kind of stuff. Um, yeah there's a there's a wide range of things and you could also you know attend court and, um yeah the only criticism I would say of working there is obviously like there's a lot of supervision so that works in a really yeah. good way but it also means that you don't get um extreme independence as well
0: yeah. yeah and with that supervision would you say that it helped your learning experience there or more hindered it
3: I definitely think it helped um, because particularly it's. I mean, it always depends on who's supervising you and how interested they are in supervising you. I think it helps and they have, they in particular would, you know, do six monthly reviews with how you're going. Um, and so you were able to say, I really want to get more experience in this area. I want more experience in that and they facilitate that. So that was really good. Um, and some of the lawyers were great in that they would say, hey, this is great, this can improve, um, I would do this differently next time. Um, And sometimes it's, you know, personal preference. And it's great to know if someone's fixing your work because of personal preference or because you're getting it wrong. Um, (laughs) Because often the times people do have their own personal preferences in terms of how they work. um, And then you realize you're not actually doing it wrong, you're just doing it a bit differently. So um, it's good to get that kind of feedback as well, I think.
0: Yeah, and so it sounds like that position at the Crown Solicitor's Office, there was a big element of collaboration in it in terms of you would give your preferences, they would give you feedback. Did -hmm. you find that this sort of helped you in that wider journey of sort of figuring out what you might want to do with your law degree?
3: Yeah, I think think so because, um, and that turned on... It's just creating conversation, I think, is what it it essentially comes down to, because what you're interested in is creating that conversation um, and working at that job, you kind of, and getting to know each solicitor and getting feedback from them. You kind of learn from how they became interested in that kind of work. And and then you kind of learn about what you might want to do next because of what they've done. And it just opens up all these different areas of law and different kind of, experiences that you could get that aren't necessarily practicing as a lawyer as well Mm. um so yeah I think it's just creating a conversation is is the main thing um
0: Yeah, yeah I love that and going off of that a big thing that I've noticed about the clerkship process is people saying that it's sort of a springboard to um, future employment opportunities, like post-grad employment opportunities. Did you find that working at the Crown Solicitor's Office helped you with that, especially, you know, like making those connections with other lawyers, getting to know other people in the profession? Yeah, did you find that helped you when looking for a postgraduate position?
3: I think it helped me find, um, it helped me determine what I was interested in and what I wasn't Mm. um, interested in. I was became more aware of other opportunities that probably aren't more um, openly advertised, um, like working in private firms is, or, you know, because clerkships often lead to grad jobs at the same firms, um, you know, you kind of don't consider those opportunities. Um, I definitely, I think I did put in grad job applications, but very, very reluctantly. If I, and it would have been one or two maximum that I put in um, because I was just, I knew I needed to do something and I didn't want to feel lazy, but it was <laughs> it was definitely not what I wanted. Um, I There are some really interesting jobs, government jobs like prosecution jobs that, that just pop up that aren't necessarily um, known about or that appeal to a wide audience of law students um, that you kind of just... Um, when you learn about them then they kind of just appear everywhere um yeah
0: yeah so it sort of helped you find those less advertised positions and sort of um uh showed you different pathways awesome um like did you have any friends that did the clerkship process and were you able to see like what the benefits of the paralegal position were um comparative to that
3: yeah I think I think what the paralegal job was really good in was that it it gives you a long-term experience Mm. working um in an area yeah it's just the long-term experience generally and and learning how to manage working and studying and having different responsibilities is definitely helpful um I would say maybe a limitation is that you know you don't get the experience across a broad range of practice groups probably that you would get in a clerkship um but it's also and and I I can't really remember what my friends thought when they were doing their clerkships but I do like friends that did internships and stuff you kind of get the tip of the iceberg in terms of what the work actually is like like it's really interesting to learn about different areas of law and it's really interesting to you know go to court and um, you know watch the fun get to see the fun stuff of law but then when you get down to the practicality of what a job is really like you might not like you might not like that bit um yeah. so that's why a paralegal job is valuable because you get into the nitty-gritty and you get to see the reality of what um working is like and it's not just necessarily the pretty bits
0: of a job <laughs> Looking back at your time um, at the counsellor's office and just as a student, when you were sort of figuring this all out, is there anything you would have done differently?
3: Um, Definitely, I think, particularly as a student, I was very focused on getting experience really early and I would just say more to relax and to enjoy the process a bit more. And you get so stressed about exams and all of that kind of stuff but kind of just enjoy the privilege of being able to study which sounds very maybe obnoxious and all of that kind of stuff but it is a privilege like um to go to uni I mean a lot of my clients now kind of only got up to year six in school so it, it, you look back and, and you think wow I had so much time to really take it all in um so yeah I was very stressed about making sure I had enough practical experience which is great and I'm grateful that I did that but at the same time um there's no rush to finishing your degree really um the law is always going to be here (laughs) um yeah
0: and with your experience at the Crown Solicitor's Office do you find that that sort of work experience while you were studying really informs your work now like did you find it like there were actually like a lot of transferable skills that you developed then that you're now implementing into your work definitely my job
3: now is really independent um, and i don't get that much support or um supervision at all so i really enjoyed looking back and you know implementing you know they were really it was a really organized workplace they were always looking at bettering um you know organization supervision and um those kind of aspects and and practically it was helpful to have someone look over your work as well because now no one does um <laughs> unless it's like a magistrate or something so um it's it's helpful to in hindsight have that and you know all the things i look back if i if i had just started this job without having that experience i think i'd struggle struggle a lot more
0: Do you find that um, now, even after you've done the paralegal um, position and now you're doing this more independent work, that your work is continuing to inform what you want to do in the future? Or is it more like after a certain time, you do find something that you sort of situate yourself in and focus on that for the rest of your career, or is it a bit more non-linear than that?
3: I I think it would be non-linear. I'm really enjoying my job now. Um, most of the time um but um you know you never know what kind of jobs are around the corner some jobs might not be created yet and um you just you really you really don't know I'm really enjoying criminal law but I would never say that I am gonna stay in it because you just you don't know what yeah you don't know what's around the corner I mean I was today uh this week at work um we're doing a, a bit of training and I was just listening to a talk from Judge Skinner so she, she's the chief judge of the children's court I think um and she was saying that she doesn't even know um <coughs> and that might not be the be the be all and end all for her as well so it's um it's you know so always subject to change for everyone I think
0: I love that and um you know looking back now as someone who's been through law school, been through the paralegal um, process. Are there any really key pieces of advice you would give to young law students who are wanting to get more experience in preparation for a postgrad job?
3: Yeah, I think just maybe be open minded mm. um, about all experience um, and just, yeah, enjoy it and there's no rush. Um, I know plenty of people that only started getting experience once they graduated. um, And that was for various different reasons, whether or not they could get a job or not, but they still ended up in the same place. um, And I know colleagues of mine. Um,
0: Yeah. (laughs) Just keep an open mind. Don't lock yourself in too early. Yeah.
3: Yeah. And just enjoy, enjoy it all. And the good experiences and the bad experiences and um, not everyone's in the same boat. Some people, can't afford to do unpaid internships and volunteer and all that kind of stuff. And you might think you're at a disadvantage because of that. And um, that kind of non-legal experience will be valued as well by people as well.
0: Exactly. I love it. Bridget, thank you so much (laughs) for um, letting me interview you today. This has been so good for someone who doesn't think they want to go down the clerkship route. um, (laughs) I am so excited to see um, how this is going to help other people. So, thank you so much. Thank you. So, that was our show. I really, really loved interviewing Bridget. I'm sure you guys all loved her as well. She's so funny so warm and she is just a reservoir of wisdom about the paralegal process and everything that comes with that Nick how did you find your interview
1: I loved my interview Vivian is great I mentioned this in the interview but she was my past facilitator last year so uh, she was she's just a wealth of knowledge she has done so much here at uni she's gotten involved in so many different ways both in the campus and outside the campus and I really learned a lot about how to use my my external experience in my careers applications process. And I hope you love Vivian just as much as I do. And I hope you enjoyed this podcast as much as we did. And be sure to tune in for our next show, our grand finale, where I'll be talking with Simon Bronnett about alternatives to the corporate law pathways.
0: And don't forget to follow the Sydney University Law Society on Instagram It's S U L S underscore Sydney. One more time, that is S U L S underscore Sydney. And again, I'm Tamsin Bellew.
1: And I'm Nick Leavenworth.
0: Feel free to message us if you have any suggestions or questions for future episodes.
1: We are both happy to help. It's why we're doing this.